welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but I'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life this is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life Podcast. Today, we have a very interactive and exciting q and I always love Q&As, um, so happy Friday first and foremost. Today, we're going to dive into a whole bunch of training and nutrition questions, but we also get into some kind of weird and funny personality questions, which are always the most fun in my opinion, but this is a really good conversation. I think you guys are going to need a notepad for this one because I dive pretty deep into a couple topics surrounding insulin and creatine and and training modalities, um, maintaining muscle during a fat loss phase, and exactly what I would do in a weird way with an absurd amount of money, which is a really, really cool question to ask me. All right, without any further ado, let's get into the episode. I feel like I had like banter to go over with you. Like I had, I had things I wanted to say to you, and they completely lost my mind. It took mm. so damn long to get started that I just completely forgot. All right, so let's just <laughs> get right into it. We got uh, first question today comes from Kaylee Kerbo. It says, "I have a question regarding the body's insulin response. I have heard you mention how it is anabo- anabolic and important when building muscle, but I have also heard that it is, it is what it causes you to store fat." I am just confused hearing the opposing sides and feel like it is so important to understand because I have clients avoiding carbs thinking it is an insulin response that is causing them to gain weight. Really good question. Um, The insulin thing is really confusing for a lot of people because there was this, uh, I want to say they call it the insulin obesity hypothesis. And basically what this is is that, that these gurus, quote unquote, believe that insulin is the reason for obesity. Mm. People have poor insulin sensitivity. They um, have dysfunctional insulin levels, and that causes obesity because insulin is a storage hormone, right? It is a hormone that's going to store energy. When you tap out your energy stores, where do you store, quote unquote, energy, which is calories, which is food? Yeah. Body fat, right? So yes, insulin can be the transporter for storing body fat, but it can also be the transporter for storing muscle glycogen to perform better and build muscle, which is why it's an anabolic hormone. Um, It's one of those things too where you will not, so this this is the way I always try to break it down to clients. So this is perfect for, for you to explain to your clients because clients are more gen pop and you want to be able to break this down easily. You will not, like, insulin's not going to do anything negative for you, and it's not going to cause body fat storage until you get to a point where you will have too much energy coming in for you to maintain and or lose weight, which is another way of saying you're in a calorie surplus. Totally. Right? If you eat too much food, you're going to store fat, right? That's to nobody's surprise. Insulin is the thing that helps you store that those calories as fat. So it, it's not insulin that's the issue here. It's that you're eating too much damn food. So... If you're eating at maintenance, and to an extent, depending on who you are, a slight surplus if you're trying to gain weight or build muscle, um, but if you're in a deficit or you're in uh, at maintenance, insulin is your friend because you're not eating in a surplus. It's not going to cause you to store body fat. It's going to help facilitate the transport of nutrients to the muscle to perform better. It's also going to blunt cortisol. We've talked about this a bunch on the podcast. Insulin and cortisol have an inverse relationship, which basically means when we spike insulin, cortisol drops, right? Cortisol being elevated is a stress hormone. So when we train, when we have stress at work, when we're overwhelmed, when we're anxious, when we're scared, we're anything like that, when we get lack of sleep, 
anxiety goes up, stress goes up, so on and so forth. But it's all because uh, cortisol is going up. Cortisol is the hormone that literally causes stress. It's totally. a stress hormone. Um, when we train really hard and our adrenaline goes up, same thing. Cortisol goes along with it, which is actually not a bad thing. Like we need cortisol to wake us up in the morning. When you woke up this morning, cortisol spike, that cortisol curve is what they call it in the morning that actually gets you out of bed. It gets you moving and producing in your day. Um, adrenaline is good too, both of which are going to spike during training. When cortisol goes up and adrenaline goes up during training, I'm able to push really hard because cortisol and adrenaline are a, a fuel source, right? It's, it's something that drives higher intensities and stimulates my nervous system to push harder and harder. So to some people, that's not a bad thing. And there was even like Olympic weightlifting coaches back in the day that would like really push against having too many carbs pre or intra workout, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas a bodybuilder will have a bunch of carbs before and sometimes carbs sipped out throughout the workout. Because if we do that, we're fueling the muscle obviously, but also we're, we're continually managing that cortisol response. And cortisol is a catabolic hormone. Catabolic means break down. Anabolic means build up. Yeah. So if we blunt that cortisol response during training, we might actually build more muscle. But Olympic weightlifter isn't there to build muscle. He's there to be explosive. He needs his nervous system amped up and fired up, which means adrenaline and cortisol might actually benefit that athlete. Mm. So we don't want too many carbs in the session. So um, because going back to the point, there's this inverse relationship. And when, when cortisol is high, a good way to bring it back down is to spike insulin up because they have an inverse relationship. So saying that insulin is bad is completely false. And I've gotten so many people who come to me that have cut carbs out and it causes them to one, be in a deficit, which we know negatively impacts the thyroid and increases your cortisol levels, right? So they're in a deficit, so cortisol is a little bit higher. They're getting no carbs, so cortisol is even higher because they don't have any carbs to help blunt that cortisol response that's elevated from dieting. And then they're stressed out because they're in a deficit. They can't eat the food they love. They're trying to restrict carbs and, and treats and things like that. So all these things lead to more stress, more cortisol, and it's this chronic elevation of cortisol that leads to poor results, high stress, mm. anxiety, so on and so forth. Um, if... I get that person and I go, hey, we're going to bring your fats down. We're going to actually increase calories just slightly, but we're going to mainly do it via carbs. All of a sudden, they drop weight immediately, which is usually water, right? They drop a bunch of water weight, which cortisol is a stress hormone that actually retains water. So if cortisol is super high and you're super stressed, you're going to be retaining water. So you're going to look watery and you think you're gaining bad weight. It's just water from stress. But when we spike insulin with those carbohydrates, cortisol drops, water flushes out, and then you're in a less stressed place, your hormones are going to be a little bit better off and you're probably going to start losing weight now. Um, and that's where insulin actually worked in somebody's advantage to lose more yeah. body fat. So I think at the end of the day, the best way to explain it to clients is unless you are in a calorie surplus, insulin is not going to cause any negative effects. It's actually a really important hormone for performance, for stress management, for building muscle. Um, and it's and again, it's a storage hormone. The body fat isn't the only thing you store in your body. Your, your body, it, it's... It's a storage hormone, but it's also like an energy facilitator. So if you want energy for training, for movement, for everything in your day-to-day -day life, you need insulin. Insulin's yeah. one of the biggest uh, affecting, I guess you would call it. It's, it's one of the hormones that affects the vast majority of hormones more than any other hormone. Thyroid's kind of like the control center. It's controlling a lot of things, but insulin specifically affects all the other hormones in big ways. Um, it even... Uh, facilitates better uh, amino acid uptake into the bloodstream. So a lot of people don't know this, but when you spike insulin, you might actually have better transport of amino acids. If you have better transport of amino acids, guess what? You have better muscle protein breakdown and, and balance ratio. Totally. Um, and pro sorry, muscle protein synthesis breakdown ratio, which is going to lead to more muscle growth, better recovery, performance, so on and so forth. Um, so there's a ton. I mean, there's so many reasons why I think insulin is demonized for the wrong reasons. Like there's so many bad reasons it's demonized and it's all because of this obesity insulin uh, hypothesis or epidemic, they call it. And it's just not true. I mean, a good example of this too is there was the, uh, the rice diet experiment, which is, it wasn't technically a research study, but it was conducted by a doctor and they had at least 10, but they had a good amount of people, men and women, all were extremely obese and they put them on this rice diet, right? Every single day they ate purely white rice and either a piece of fruit or a fruit puree just for the vitamins and minerals in it. But point being no protein, no fat, mm. literally rice and a little bit of fruit all day, every day, just carbs. Weird. They lost 
on average, I want to say it was 126 pounds during the experiment. For how long was the duration? I, I can't remember okay. off the top of my head. It wasn't extensively long, though. Like, yeah. it was a pretty – now, they were in a deficit. They were in a calorie deficit for sure, but their calorie deficit – Like six months? A year? Maybe. No, not a year. It was a lot, man. Yeah. Um, I wrote a blog about, I want to say, metabolic adaptation. No, no, it was in the carb, the carb cycling blog. Mm. So you can check out the carb cycling blog. We'll link that in the show notes of this podcast. Um, we'll also link, uh, we have a, a, pot, a blog called um, Hormone Crash Course or something like that written by Lisa. And it goes over all the hormones, testosterone, thyroid, cortisol, everything. But you, you, can, you can learn about insulin in that article as well. And then in that carb cycling one, I talk about this experiment. But it, it was less than a year for sure. Mm-hmm. It was significant transformation and and granted these are obese very obese individuals they have on average 127 pounds to lose 126 pounds you got to be pretty heavy to be able to lose that amount of weight in any given amount of time and they were specifically fed a, a, a calorie deficit but all their calories comprised of carbohydrates and they lost on average 126 pounds which just goes to show that these individuals had their insulin spiked constantly yeah. throughout the duration of the study, and they still lost a ton of weight because one of the predominant things that leads to insulin sensitivity is not your diet, but it's your activity in the gym, and it's how lean you are. So you can look at the, uh, the insulin sensitivity of a NFL lineman, right? They might have better insulin sensitivity than a regular person that is of their weight because they're active. They're active, right? But they're going to have poorer insulin sensitivity to somebody who is the same height but leaner because mm. body fat storage on your body determines insulin sensitivity um, to an extent. But I think point being, is it Kaylee that asked the question? Kaylee? Yeah, yeah, yep. The best way to describe this to your clients is if you're not in a calorie surplus, there's no reason for you to fear insulin. It's, it's not a problem. Um, I personally – have carbs in every single meal. And I try to keep that as long as I can during a diet because it helps manage stress and energy levels throughout the day, plain and simple. So especially if you have stressed individuals, sometimes going higher carb actually works better. And I think it's, I think this is honestly one of the things that like makes, and maybe I'm just, this is just my thought process, but makes our coaching kind of appealing because a lot of us on the team use high carb diets with clients. Yeah, And it goes against what most people think you're supposed to do yet we keep getting great results with people and it's easy for them to sustain. It's because we're not eliminating carbs. Yeah. You know, for some people it's balanced where it's like moderate carb, moderate fat. For other people it's really high carb, low fat. For some people it's, it is high fat, low carb. But I would say the vast majority is in the moderate or the high carb camp and they're doing great. Yeah. They love it, you know? So, totally. Yeah. Love it, man. All right. Next question comes from Austin Bag Show. Real quick. What up? I got to add this to Kaylee. You should probably talk to your clients about um, de novo lipogenesis, which is the process of turning a carbohydrate into a glucose and then into lipid, which is fat in mm. the body. So uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast, like eating fat, it's easy for your body to convert that into stored fat because it already is a lipid as a molecule. So it's, it's a little bit easier. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot. So when you get closer to that surplus range your body's more likely to store the fat versus the carb yeah. if you're in a surplus. You have to be in a surplus for this to happen regardless. But um, talking to them about this is helpful too because you can tell them like, hey, your body doesn't want to store carbs as fat actually. It actually wants to use it for its, your brain and for training performance. Mm. So having carbs in your diet is not a bad thing. It's your, it's your body's preferred fuel source. And de novo lipogenesis is this process of turning carbohydrates into a fat, which only happens if you're overeating overall calories completely. Um, and it's not a favorable process for your body to make, right? It's the same thing with, uh, gluconeogenesis, which is the process of taking proteins and turning them into glucose carbohydrates for fuel. It's not a very efficient process for your body to take proteins and make them into fuel because it wants that protein for other rebuilding processes in the body. So when someone goes on a super low carb diet and they start having to pull from protein in order to have energy to do their day-to-day functions or training, now we have less protein to be able to rebuild and recover our muscle tissue, which is not what we want. Totally. All right, so just another thing to maybe add to your clients. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, next question comes from Austin Bag Show. It says, if you had an absurd amount of money, what's one really weird thing you would spend it on? Uh, getting right to the personality questions. You're going to have to answer this one too. So be thinking. I have a couple thoughts of yeah. what I would what I would do. 
Um, if I had an absurd amount of money. It's a relative term. Yeah, what is absurd? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, yeah, it's a relative term. To me, absurd is like multiple billions. Whoa. That's what I think. Okay. When I think of an absurd amount of money, I'm like, I'm, it's unlimited. I have enough money to buy anything I want. If you're going to ask me a hypothetical question like this, I feel like I need to be able to buy anything yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think about that shit all the time. I think about Jeff Bezos, and I'm like, this dude's making like 20 grand a minute. Yeah. Like literally. Probably more than that. How do you, what do you do with all that money? How has he not started multiple charity foundations? Probably has. I don't think he has. I literally don't think he has. Have you, I, have you investigated it? Yeah. I swear to God, I've looked into it. If anybody can correct me, yeah. I don't. I know there's like a charity thing that you can help with on Amazon.com when you go there, but you're contributing to it. Yeah. And then I think they match it, maybe. But like, I hope so. Yeah. I don't know. Crazy. Um, <laughs> so okay. an absurd amount. An absurd amount of money. I think what comes to my mind first, the first thing that came to my mind was actually doing something similar to like the Sheckler Foundation, Ryan Sheckler's Foundation, which basically he goes to communities that are uh poverty or ghetto yeah. or whatever and he builds these crazy skate parks yeah but it's a foundation so you can contribute to it and then they build these skate parks for yeah. like kids and Tony stuff like Hawk that. does that too yeah there's yep exactly um but i think the twist i would throw on it is i would create like a mega center like explain like fantasy factory on steroids yeah and then i would like there would be basically be like like you go to like so we went snowboarding, yeah. right? And we pay for a lift ticket. And right now, because of COVID, there's a certain amount of people that can yeah. go and lift, yeah. which was great. Yeah. In this place, you wouldn't have to pay, but there would be a wait. Like, you'd have to submit a, a request to get in because we can't just let in thousands of people at once, you know. But there's a certain amount of people that can come in every day. It's free. You just got to sign up. Yeah. And it's like... Make reservations. You got to make reservations. And it's like everything is just... It's just like... Fantasy land. Yeah. Like skate park. Maybe there's a gym. There's like a smoothie bar, restaurants, bowling alley. Like I don't fucking know. <laughs> Arcade games. There's yeah. a bar Hell for yeah. the parents. Like just make a really, really cool fucking place for people to kick it, hang out, <laughs> do cool things. Yeah. Maybe like if I have that much money, I'm bringing like a celebrity in every day. Yeah. Doing something cool. Absurd. Rob, Rob Deerdeck come in. Yeah. Steve-O. Yeah. I'd love to hang out with that guy for a day. Dude, yeah. I, I watched a lot of podcasts last night. But... <laughs> I watched the Rob Deerdeck Stevo episode. So good. Did you watch it? Oh, yeah. He talks about the... I've watched every Rob Deerdeck interview from anybody. Oh. oh. Well, dude, when he talked about, like, how the Fantasy Factory came about mm-hmm. and how much it cost and how much he put in to build the, that... Wasn't it, like, $30 million or something like no, that? No, no. <laughs> 750000 Oh, yeah. That's yeah. $30 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's an absurd yeah. amount of money. He paid, he paid like, uh, $100,000 a month to rent it. <laughs> And uh, maybe that's what it was. That per year is something absurd that I, maybe that's what I was thinking. Maybe, yeah. But he, he oh, that's hundred thousand dollars a month for the warehouse for to have it, and then he put seven hundred fifty thousand into it. He put a full concrete skate park yeah. inside of it, and uh, yeah, everything. But anyway, and they told because they the cool thing is that they told him no. They're like, this is a stupid idea. Yeah, and he's like, I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah. And then look how successful it was. Yeah, I mean that's one point two million a year in. Mortgage, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Lease. Yeah. That's crazy. I think yeah. about, like, what we pay for this. I'm like, how the fuck? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, dude, he, his ROI, he just had belief in. Fuck. And now he does, he just helps people create sick businesses. Yeah. That's pretty fucking cool. That dude's an inspiration. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, what, I don't know what I'd do. I'd buy, a, I'd buy a plane, and I would have a vacation mansion somewhere. In Bahamas. <laughs> I can't really answer that question. I don't know. I would have a bunch of quads and 100 acres and probably more than that. Actually, yeah. a lot more than that. Yeah. Why but, not? Yeah. I mean, it's unlimited. Yeah. I would buy the An state island. of Kentucky. I'm the whole sure state. that's even possible. I mean, if I have an absurd amount of money. I don't think you I'm can. Sure I, Jeff, think I think Jeff Bezos could buy a state if he wanted to. Abs- but I don't think that's legal. I don't think that's in the Constitution. You can just buy states. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. But when Texas you have that is, much money. Texas has tried to become their own country for like 10 years now, and yeah. it's not legal. It's going to be funny if that happened. Yeah. I mean, the United States just changes shapes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, nothing's impossible. Nothing is impossible. Yeah. That is a fact. 
Anyway, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I'd buy a plane and I'd say a vacation home, but that I hope to do that in ten years. So yeah. I'm just saying, like, yeah. that's not an absurd amount of money. Yeah, I don't know. Absurd amount of money is a billion plus. I just I can't say. believe like Drake has his own seven forty seven. Like that's yeah, and he's only worth like a, I say only worth. Yeah, I know. But he's like worth like one hundred sixty million. I yeah. think. Yeah. But Which I was surprised by that. I thought he'd be worth more. He got a, I mean, he got a deal with that. Not like a, not a discount, but like yeah. a sponsorship. Yeah. But um, that's a big fucking plane. Huge. That's like that's that's not a private jet. No, no, God no. It's a that's commercial a, plane that he turned into his own like hangout. Yes. That's wild. Fantasy factory yeah. in the air. That is wild. So, anyway, great question, Andrew. Uh, it's not very answerable. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, you know what I'm. You know what I'm I w- would do for sure if I had. I feel like if I had an absurd amount of money, there isn't just one thing I would do because I would yeah. buy a plane. Yeah. I would create a fantasy factory. I'd do all those things. But what I would do what did he say? is I would change the entire structure of our coaching to where people still have to pay for our service, but every single penny goes to the charity of their choice, mm-hmm. and then I'm just paying the coaches out of my pocket because I'm so rich because I have an absurd <laughs> amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> He did say was one really weird thing. Oh, weird thing though. Yeah, I, ju- I read other questions. So that last thing is really cool, but it's not weird. Yeah, it's just like a really thoughtful so thing. So dope. <laughs> yeah. Um, fantasy factors. Yeah, weird. I weird. I don't know. I'd buy like fucking. I don't know. I how I would buy a vacation home and uh, just turn it into a Budweiser factory. <laughs> That's so gross, dude. That's weird. <laughs> that is very weird. Uh, um, I w- you know what's funny? Travis Hunt was tar- he, he helped me move. Oh, he loves my Traeger. Um, and we didn't use that ramp. We just muscled it up. But yeah. he was like, you know, I tried Budweiser and it wasn't that bad. And I was like, no, dude. Good man. But okay, so what I would do with an absurd amount of money? One really weird thing. One really weird thing is I would hire Chris Brown to teach me how to dance. Pretty weird. There you go. But it would be dope as fuck to be able to dance like that dude. Yeah, like watching that No Guidance video and yeah. seeing Drake try to dance is hilarious. And yeah. then Chris Brown just crushes it. Yeah. I always thought it'd be cool to be able to sing and dance like that. Totally. It'd just be extremely just good. the same as singing. I don't think he can just teach you. He can teach you like how to do it, but you still can't do yeah, it. Yeah, there's actually probably people who are much less famous and better at teaching Possibly. me how to. So maybe I'll hire somebody to teach me how to dance and sing like Chris Brown. There you go. There you go. Boom. That's All a really right. weird thing. Next question comes from That's Really My Name. Do you ever get tired of the drama you see in the industry? Great question. Um, so I actually personally don't because so there's a there's a I have a few answers to this. Number one, I don't because I think it's funny. Like I'm I don't get frustrated by what other people are doing very much. So it's like I watch there's so much bullshit in our industry and there's so many people hating on each other and it is sad. It's unfortunate. Um, and there's so many people going out of their way to try to shit on other people. Wow. But, and it's very, dude, it's, it's very, very apparent. I get it all. I even get it now. It's fucking crazy. Like even just little things like somebody, do you see the comment about training in the dark? No. Somebody's like, why would you train in the dark about our videos? I'm like, okay, what? clearly we're doing this for like a cinematic video. Yeah. And it looks really cool. <laughs> I just sent a bat emoji was that re- back. <laughs> was it a bat? Uh, was it like a real person? It was a real person. Yeah, people just do. And then I've had people comment, like kind of hating on shit. And then when I have a good response back, they literally, I had one person say, really? like, no, they literally said, like, hey, I'm sorry. I'm just in a bad mood. You're totally right. I agree. And I'm like, what? All right. That doesn't justify you shitting on somebody else's hard work. Like, yeah, what the no. fuck? But it, it's, it's, Annoying, it's unfortunate. There's people in the industry that, that they spend the majority of their time as a influencer or coach literally just trying to shit on what other people are doing to make themselves look smarter or better. And I think it's I think it's sad. It's sad and it's annoying. But like to me, I don't get frustrated because when I see people going out of their way to do those things, I always take a step back and go, I actually feel bad for you. Yeah. Because if you have the time to do that and you have nothing better to do, nothing more productive to do, nothing, no value to give or add, Damn, like yeah. that sucks. Yeah. I got way better shit to do and I have yeah. way cooler people to talk to and people to help and give more to. Like, fuck you. Like, yeah. that's crazy. Uh, the other part of me just puts my blinders on. I don't even pay attention to a lot of it because I'm just like, 
so narrow focused, like my family, my team, my life, my clients, like they're in this lane. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know what our vision is long-term. I know what the short-term goals are and everybody that doesn't involve that. I just ignore. Yeah. Whether it's like, I don't care how many clients that company has. I don't care how much money that person makes. I don't care how much followers that person has. I watch trends and certain things to learn from. Um, I can name multiple coaches on Instagram that I learned a lot from, from content. We've talked about them plenty yeah. of times. I've learned about a lot of business owners. Uh, two people I look up to a lot are, are Mike Dola and Mike Matthews, just happen to both be Mike's very successful individuals. I don't pay too much attention because I don't want it to distract what I'm doing, yeah. but I watch them because they're very smart and they're humble, cool people that I can actually talk to if I want to. Um, but for the most part, I just put my blinders on. I think that's the most important thing. Like don't worry about what other people are doing or what other people are saying. It's just, it's, it's pointless. Yeah. You know, focus on you, do you, but yeah, I don't know. For sure. Um, yeah, I feel like there was one more thing I, I would add to that, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I think, just stay in your own lane is the best advice I can give. Yep. There's no point in getting annoyed by it. Hey, do you want quick, easy, and fast fat loss? So fast that it'll happen in 30 days and maybe all you have to do is take a pill? Well, you're shit out of luck because it's not going to happen. It takes hard work and patience, which is one of the reasons why I love Legion Supplements. They are open and honest about their marketing. And on the front page, they tell you that supplements don't overrule training and nutrition, but they do supplement a good diet and a good training program. So if your training's dialed in, your nutrition is on point, and you want to get that upper edge and take things to the next level to get the best results possible for your body and performance, check out Legion and save 20% today by heading to buylegion.com slash boom boom. Now, let's get back to the episode. Next question comes from a name of Balance, Balanced McKenna. Uh, I'm sure this is an opinion. Ass to grass squats versus 90 degrees. Oh, yeah. She was referring to Stronger by Sciences. Uh, they they sent out a, a research roundup, like weekly or something, or just random times. Yep. Um, and great dudes, Greg Knuckles and Eric Trexler. They have a whole team, but those are the two main guys, and they put out so much great information. But they basically, they were explaining this study in this graph, and they had two groups that did half squats, uh, or one group did half squats, one group did full range of motion. So astrographs. First and foremost, I want to make sure that everybody listening understands that astrograss is different than full range of motion. Full range of motion is usually most beneficial, and I'll get to why that is in a sec. But when people think astrograss, they get discouraged if their asses aren't literally tapping their heels at the bottom of a squat. But you have to understand that everybody's range of motion is different. Right. And so a full range of motion for me is different than you. Right. Like I'm, I can squat way deeper than you mm -hmm. guarantee because I squat all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my knees are much better now. Yeah. Right. But two years ago I was more of a partial squatter cause I had knee pain, I had knee issues, stuff like that. Um, I also know that my main goal is hypertrophy for hypertrophic benefits or, or results. A full range of motion squat is better because you are going to get put the muscle through a full range of motion, which means you're going through an its entire stretch shortening cycle, which is basically the act of stretching a muscle completely, bottom of the squat, and then shortening the muscle at the top, contracting, top of the squat, right? Totally. Um, same thing with a leg extension. If you let your knee go as far into flexion as you can, you're getting a big stretch on the quad, and then when you extend your knee at the top, you're getting a full contraction, shortening the muscle. The, the more you can take a muscle through that, the more muscle you're going to build. And that's what this study showed. The study basically compared half and full squats. Uh, and full squats um, did better at building the adductors, glutes, and quads by a little bit. Um, both groups sucked at building hamstrings, which just went to show that squats are not a great exercise for hamstrings. Uh, but full range of motion squats outperformed in the quad by a little bit, outperformed in the adductor and the glutes by a lot. Um, so that kind of let, lets us to believe that for hypertroph hypertrophy, full range of motion squats are better. The caveat to that is I, I remember one thing that changed my mind years ago was I was working with, uh, shout out to Travis Motley, who is, uh, he was a strength coach. Actually, this is wild. I, so, his, so he used to train at a gym called Impact. He owned the gym. He sold his part and started doing copywriting. He's a fitness marketer now. Um, but he used to come train with us at Vigor every once in a while and stuff. And he mainly worked with athletes. Um, the reason it's crazy is because yesterday I was in Fred Meyer and his brother used to train with us too sometimes, his little brother. And his little brother was a model, like small time model, like nothing crazy, but he would do modeling. 
this motherfucker was on Men's Health magazine. Damn. The latest issue. I was like, and I mean, he has very distinctive earrings, dreads, like, you know when you see him. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what was I doing? I was, I went to the toy section, Fred Meyer, because uh, Blakely broke her Cabbage Patch doll arm. So I was like, grocery shop. I was like, oh, I'm going to get her a new one. And I had to walk by the magazines. So I was like, oh, I'm going to look at the, I like looking at the titles because it's good for like SEO and yeah. marketing. Like, what do the titles of these magazines say? And I saw him. I'm like, no way. Sure enough, that was him. Yeah. Um, super cool. But his brother, Travis, trained predominantly athletes, right? And so he was talking to me about, I always said, like, why wouldn't you train to do a full range of squat? And he goes, well, I work predominantly with basketball players. Have you ever seen a basketball player go up to dunk or get a rebound and squat ass to grasp before he jumps? Yeah. I'm like, no, that would be really fucking weird to see. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, exactly. They squat like a quarter way down, maybe halfway. To jump to jump. He was yeah. like, so my main focus is to build strength in that quarter to half range, which is why we do box squats loaded up heavier to create more force velocity in that range of motion. So a, a, a great quote to summarize this by the legend, Charles Poliquin, RIP, um, is strength is train strength. Oh fuck. I'm going to mess it up. Uh, strength comes from the range it's trained or something like that, which basically means like you'll build strength in the range that you want to build strength in. So if you are a basketball player, if you're working on strength or explosiveness, half squats might actually be the best bet for you. Um, there's even a specific scenario for hypertrophy where you might be doing a drop, sw- drop set, uh, a mechanical drop set where you actually limit the range of motion as you go so you can squeeze out more volume. So I might start with, even on a leg press, this would be safer, so I would recommend people do it there. Maybe I'm doing full range of motion leg press. And then once I fatigue, I start doing half once I've achieved there, I start doing quarter because mm-hmm. I can still manage that. And then I stop, but I just added 20 extra partial reps, which is probably about 10 equivalent to 10 full reps, which is more volume, which is going to lead to more hypertrophy. And I still do the full range of motion reps at the beginning. So my point with, with that little rant is that full range of motion squats, when volume is equated are better for hypertrophy. There are situations for hypertrophy where partial range might be more important. There is times where because of injuries, partial range of motion might be safer. So it's better to do that because if, even if full range would be more beneficial, if you just hurt yourself, can't get back to the gym. Totally. So wait. And then there's sport specific reasons where a partial range of motion might be better as well. So totally. It's a good question. It depends. It depends on many things. All right. Next question comes from Bryce Allen, one, four, one, two. What's a good setup and rep? scheme during a fat loss phase to maintain my current muscle and strength if i had to generalize this into a specific set and rep range i would say 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week in the 5 to 15 rep range very very broad very general the 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 closer you are to a beginner the closer you're going to be towards that 10 sets per muscle group per week the closer you are to an advanced individual you're going to be closer to that 20 sets per muscle group per week um 5 to 15 rep range is is what i would call the hypertrophy rep range if you look at like old personal training textbooks probably even some new ones cuz they don't update their shit enough a lot of them will say 8 to 12 reps is like the hypertrophy zone and 3 to 5 reps is the strength zone 15 to 20 reps is the endurance zone um, which isn't wrong, but what studies have shown us is that you can build muscle in the three rep range. You can build muscle in the eight rep range. You can build muscle in the 15 or the 20 rep range comes down to volume, yeah. right? Where, where muscle growth gets less effective is when you go below, I want to say below 30%, maybe it's 50% of your one rep max. So usually you got to stay between like 60 to 80% of your one rep max to be in the good range of intensity mm-hmm. because that's the range where you can usually do five to 15 reps in. If I'm doing 30 reps, it's just such a light load that it's probably not going to induce enough mechanical tension is, is the point. Um, yeah, I think it's above 30 reps when the, the percentage dips below a point where it starts getting less effective. But my point with this is you got to find your volume tolerance, your maximum recoverable and adaptive volume, which is basically just... How much volume do I need to do per muscle group per week in order to effectively grow and build muscle? That's going to be the same exact volume you need to maintain muscle for the most part. The deeper you get into a diet, the lower that, that goes. So what, what you can do, though, is you need about half the volume um, 
about half of your maximum recoverable volume is what you need to maintain muscle, which is a lot less, right? So if I'm doing 20 sets per muscle group per week, and that's my maximum recoverable volume, which means this, this is definitely making me grow, but I'm overreaching if I stay here too long. So I might dip into that 20 sets per muscle group per week for, you know, a block or two, but then I got to pull my volume down just so I can recover from it and then tip toe back into it. Well, you could go all the way down to 10 sets per muscle group per week and still maintain your muscle. So when you start the diet, you should be somewhere between 15 to 20, let's say, because you want to get as much as you can done. The, the, the volume or the training to maintain is the training to grow, essentially. It's totally. the same thing. And then as you get deeper into a diet, you're deeper into deficit, recovery becomes harder. You can lower that from that 15 to 20 to that like 10 to 15 range, right? And then you just got to make sure you stay above 10. It's about half. Um, Rep range, I always say between 5 to 15 for a couple reasons. Number one, if you go below 5, in order to have enough volume to grow, because that's predominantly strength, below 5 is more neurological base, less tension on the muscle. You're definitely going to build strength there, but the deeper you get in deficit, the harder strength is to build. And if, you, if you're doing sets of 3, you got to do like 10 sets to, to accumulate enough volume to, to maintain muscle or grow. So you're going to want to do um, sets of 5 plus, basically. And that's going to keep you in that range where you're still creating enough tension. You're not doing too much volume um, or too many sets to accumulate the right amount of volume. Um, but you're still getting enough, right? 15 is where you're tiptoeing on like you're getting to the upper end of, of beneficial training. And then five, you're still building a lot of strength, which is important because the neurological adaptation is very useful during a deficit to maintain muscle as well, which gets into a whole nother rant of like, do you go more for volume or intensity? Because there's a lot of people... I'm a little more in this camp, but there's a lot of people who will say like, I'm not as worried about volume because volume is very draining. It's going to potentially increase cortisol and stress hormones, which is already happening during diet. So I'd rather maintain like the, the maintenance volume at the lower end and then increase intensity and actually try to do some heavy work and, and push myself really fucking hard in the sessions by doing less harder, right? Whereas other people are like, I'm going to pull intensity down. So it's a little bit easier on myself, but I'm going to do as much volume as I possibly can. Um, both scenarios are right. There's no really good research that I'm aware of to show which one would be better during a deficit. And the people who are on each camp arguing for either thing, both get great results. Yeah, so you sure. really can't say either one's wrong. It's kind of a preference thing. I know for me personally, I don't leave a session like, man, I hit fucking 10 sets of chest today. Like I feel so like good about myself. I might have a pump. It might be cool. Like it was a fun session. But when I'm like, like I just did uh, front squat, one rep max. And I probably could have gone a little heavier, but I didn't want to push it too hard. Because um, my back was a little sore from moving <laughs> houses. But uh, 300 pounds, front squat. I don't know if you saw the story video. I got pretty damn deep. Like it was yeah. a full range of motion squat. Um, I felt really fucking good leaving that session. Because I was like, I just front squatted 300 pounds. A lot of people can't even hold 300 pounds in the front of their body. That's crazy. Yeah, I was stoked about that. But if I did four sets of 10 at the equivalent amount of volume, which maybe that's 150 pounds, I would have been like, oh, I mean, yeah, I did 150 pound front squats for 10, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not that cool. So to me, like when I'm in a deficit and I'm already feeling, as a guy, at least you start feeling smaller in your clothes and you kind of feel like less full, you're tired more. I want to do some heavy sets so I can just feel like a champ, yeah. you know, like, and I think that motivation goes a long way, psychologically speaking. Um, but again, a very general bell curve guideline of this is between 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week, five to 15 rep, uh, for the rep range. I think you're golden. Depending on your experience. Exactly. Yep. All right. We'll go to the next question comes from, oh, I'm going to butcher this. Let's uh, go. Alejandro, Alejandro C. Alejandro. Alejandro. I think you're right. Silent J. Yep. Say it again. Alejandro. All right. I'm a jiu-jitsu uh, practitioner. And I was friends with Alejandro in high school, so I like, I remember. In high school? Oh, yeah. A. A. Oh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. like, what? Yeah, I know her. No. Uh, no. I'm a jiu-jitsu practitioner and want to know if you recommend using use of creatine for jiu-jitsu. I practice jiu-jitsu four to five times per week and try to go to the gym at least twice a week where I split my training up into upper, bo uh, upper body and lower body. Will supplementing with creatine have an effect on my jiu-jitsu explosiveness, decrease fatigue while rolling, and recovery to roll for longer? 
Yes. Think so? <laughs> I mean, they they answered their own question really well. I didn't I didn't read that full question when I sent it over, but it's always fun. Like asking me like, is creatine beneficial and why would be like a perfect layup because I'm yeah. gonna give you all the benefits. But yeah. they were like, will it do this, 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 this? And it's like, well, yeah, that's literally everything it's gonna do for you. Yeah. So you're right. Um, I think it's 100% beneficial. The caution I would give any weight class athlete, whether you're a power lifter, a jiu-jitsu athlete, anything like that, 100% I think you should take creatine. It's going to help your muscles recover. It's going to help them stay hydrated. You're going to perform better in your sport and in your training. You're going to build more muscle. Like it's, it's beneficial all around, 100%. Yeah. Um, it does help explosiveness because it's going to help uh, creatine phosphate levels, which is going to help your ATP synthesis and everything like that in the body. But... As we know, creatine can cause some water retention in the muscle at first. For some people, it's temporary. So you might take creatine and you notice the scale bumps up two pounds. And then in two weeks, it's back down, mm-hmm. right? Other people, it bumps up two pounds and it just stays up two pounds because you, you gain water weight that's stored in the muscle, which really isn't a bad thing. It's literally hydration, right? So your muscle, I want to say is, I literally just read this in a textbook yesterday because I'm, re- I'm reading through this book called... Uh, Actually, I have a second copy because I thought I didn't get it. And then Amazon sent me another one. <laughs> uh, oh, maybe it's not here. Maybe it's at my desk at home. Um, physiology of exercise metabolism, I think it is. But point being is I want to say that like muscle is like 90% water. And then it's like 5% carbohydrates and 5% protein. Mm. Like very, very much so. It's predominantly water. Yeah. If we take creatine and it helps us store more water in the muscle, well, that probably means we technically have more muscle because yeah. right? muscle is comprised of so much water. It's not literal muscle, but it's it's the sponge effect, right? You're putting more water in there, which is going to cause more hydration. It's going to cause a fuller effect. It's going to have a more, uh, the hydration is going to have more energy and performance benefits to it. You're fueling your muscle essentially. Um, so that two pounds isn't a bad thing is, yeah. my, is my point. But you got to be aware of that if you're a weight class athlete, because if you need to step on the scale in a gi at 150 pounds and you're 152 because you took creatine, that's an issue, right? If you need to step on the scale, there's weight class like ranges, you know? So it's like, for some people, it's like, I just have to be under 155 and I'm 150 pounds, like walking around, like with a gi on. Perfect. Take creatine. You're not going to gain five pounds from creatine and you're still going to be under 155. So you might as well take it. Yeah. If you're like flirting with getting on and I always try to recommend athletes like this you should try your best to compete at a weight that you're comfortable maintaining right like we I I work with two BJJ athletes and uh and actually I'm excited uh Trevor who who just came on as intern who's going to be a coach with us uh he's a BJJ instructor um as well as powerlifting and weightlifting certified and training and like he's very well-rounded, but he's going to be a good person to kind of get some mixed martial arts people with us. Cool. But uh, if you're a weight class athlete, it's it's smart to train really close to your maintenance weight um, because if you're trying to get so lean to compete at a – and that's okay sometimes. Sometimes you drop weight classes to compete at a lower weight. And for UFC, this is different, right? I can cut 10 pounds, scale in, weigh in, and then the next morning I got to fight, Right, that's how like UFC weigh-ins do it. They just Definitely. weigh in the day before. BJJ for most people, I don't know how pros go, but like from any amateur, you're weigh in literally right before you step on the ring. So if you weigh in ten pounds under your normal weight, you walk on. All you can do is literally chug some Gatorade while you're walking to the mat from the scale. Right. So I've had athletes where I'm like, we have to be at a comfortable weight because I can give you some Gatorade, but if you lose ten pounds to to make that weight class really rapidly you're gonna feel like shit on the mat you're not gonna win yeah i don't care if you're normally 10 pounds heavier than the competitor that you're going against so for those people i'm like hey you have a a match in eight months perfect let's lose that 10 pounds over eight months and just maintain your performance and try to reverse diet into the into the meat and you're 100 going to be taking creatine that whole time totally um but yeah i 100 recommend it i don't think there's an athlete i don't recommend it for honestly yeah creatine's a shit um cool uh i should say recharge is the shit by legion because that's their creatine product check that out <laughs> link in the description plug yeah uh next question comes from uh tj horn 
says, my fiance has recently become interested in her health, and I am a fitness nutrition enthusiast. She has st- started asking me for advice. I've got I've got her starting to log her macros and advised her to begin finding a way to move a little more every day. That's good. She runs on the treadmill a couple times a week, but only uh, but only because she feels like it's the only way she knows how to exercise and doesn't really enjoy it. She has expressed interest in learning the basics of strength training and wants me to show her how to get started. I am an intermediate lifter and feel like I have a pretty good grasp on knowledge and fitness and nutrition, but I have no idea where to start with her. What movements, focuses, or frameworks would you have me start with her? Her goals are to lose a little fat and just improve overall health. Good question. I would always start with what they want to do. To do. And then later on, try to give them what they need, you know, um, to use my own personal speak, just to get them involved, spike interest. Yeah. Spike interest, get, get the cycle going, you know, get the, get their foot in the door. Um, like for example, uh, like Shannon wants, um, what are those bikes called? Peloton. Peloton. Yeah. She wants Peloton because her friends have Pelotons and they can ride together. And I'm like. No, 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 Come to the gym. You should be pulling the sled. You should be doing hip thrusts, stuff like that, because she doesn't need to lose weight. So I'm like, yeah. fuck the cardio. Like, let's do this. Let's do this. And she's immediately like, no, first of all, <laughs> uh, because I'm her husband, not her coach. And then the other aspect of it is, is like, it doesn't matter what she needs. I got, like, she needs to get started with what she wants, you know? Um, so we're probably going to get her a Peloton, because I know that's going to get her moving in the right direction. And... um and, and realistically, she was good about coming in. It's just with a, a child, it's hard. You Life. Know? Um, but I would always go that route, right? So, like, yeah. if I was, like, when I first started, like, I had to go with something that, like, made me feel like I was going to get what I want. So, what did I do? I literally went to the gym and did a f- just a ton of curls. I literally just do arms and chest because I was like, the dudes I want to look like have big chests and big arms. Yeah. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to bench press. I'm going to do bicep curls every other day at the gym. You know, um, What did I need at the time? I needed to diet. I needed to do some cardio. I needed to do full body exercises like squats and stuff because I was fat. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I built muscle, you wouldn't see it. So, But I opened a fucking flex magazine and I started doing what I saw and what I thought was cool. Um, but that got my foot in the door, got me consistent. Then I got into a routine and then I was like, well, maybe if I eat better, I'll build more muscle. And then I started leaning out a little bit from eating better. And then I realized like, man, I could do these other workouts and actually burn more fat. And then years later I can sustain a lean athletic physique, you know? So I think figuring out what she wants to develop first and going from there, because if you're like, Hey, you want to lose fat, we're going to do these circuits or you're going to diet. Like, that might not be very appealing. Yeah. Like, hey, what what do you want? Well, I want like I want like a flat tummy and, and toned legs and maybe a booty. Cool. Give her some like high rep air squats because her legs will feel like they're burning yep. and she'll think she's toning her legs, which we know toning is not really a thing. But she's probably going to be building some muscle and burning some fat with that, which is the goal. Um, give her some hip thrusts or glute bridges or s- some abductions because she'll get a burn in her glutes, which is going to build muscle. She's going to feel it, and that's yeah. really important. And that's the other thing is like anything you do, you should probably give them exercises that they're going to feel. Doing a three-rep deadlift or hip thrust that's really heavy might be great for her glutes. But if she doesn't feel that burn, she's not going to associate it with discouraging. benefit. Exactly. Um, and then do a ton of sit-ups. So she feels like she's make, getting a flat tummy. Yeah. Um, even though we know sit-ups don't really burn many calories at all. You're going to need a diet to, to get a flat tummy. But point being is I'm, you're getting her in the door and you're giving her what she wants. And yeah. I think that's the most important thing Agreed. at the end of the day. Yep. So. Some great advice, Cody. Thank you. Uh, I did, I'm doing the same exact thing with my dad. Yeah. He just had his uh, get him moving? second hip surgery. Yeah. Um, so he had both hips replaced. He's moving like a fucking champ now, running around with Blake. That's cool. But he, he's getting back into golfing. Yeah. And his thing is he, he wants me to help him. And he's like, I just need you to give me a ton of rotation exercises. And I'm like, first, I'm like, dad, I, I understand that you rotate during golf, but sports specific training isn't literally just grabbing a weight and doing the motion you do. Right. Like you think a pitcher just sits here and just <laughs> <laughs> swings his arm all day. Not, a, not at all. And, like, I'm like, man, we need to work on hip mobility. And then we need to work on hip drive and extension. And, like, I'm – and he's just, like, right yeah. over his head. He's like, so are you going to give me some band rotations or what? 
Like, all right. So I bought him some bands for Christmas. And I'm Sick. Like, just give him a bunch of fucking band res- yeah. rotations. And eventually, he's going to see a little improvement. Yeah. I got him drinking creatine. I got him taking fish oil. I got him drinking his protein every day. Hopefully. Oh, he is. Because oh, I buy it for him. And oh. he, he, he's like, hey, I don't, where do I get this? I ran out and I just order it for him because I'm like, yeah. I don't want to leave it up to you. Yeah. I'm forgetful. I'm just like him. Yeah. So, um, but Sick. I'm waiting for him to be like, all right, I think I'm ready for some more stuff. And then I'm going to be like, all right, let's do some real training yeah. for golf. But golf training. Golf training. That's dope. That's really cool to hear. All right. Uh, let's go on to the next question uh, from Mason. Thob. I'm currently two months into my program and we are slowly increasing my calories to prime my body for eventual cut. I am losing weight while increasing calories, but have, uh, but have motivation and confidence issues because my, because of body dysfor- dysphoria, dysmorphia, Dys- dysmorphia, and just not physically seeing results. What is a realistic time frame regarding seeing results in the state of a program, whether it be fat loss or muscle growth. So this is hard to say because sometimes I've seen people, I mean, he's, he's essentially losing weight while reverse dieting is mm-hmm. what he's saying. He's increasing his calories and he's losing weight, but he doesn't like the result he's seeing. A lot of times people are so focused on the scale that the scale will create that body dysmorphia that they see in the mirror. And and I can even relate to this because growing up as a chubby kid, like I always had my shirt on at the lake, at the pool, if, if I even went because a lot of times I just skipped it. And once I started trying to lose weight, it was the same thing. It wasn't like I needed to see something. It was like I need to see the scale to go down. Like I have to see the scale to go down. And I even – it, it kind of carries along with you for the rest of your life to an extent mm-hmm. where there's times where like I'll, I'll wake up and I look in the mirror and I'm like, damn, I'm getting lean. And then I step on the scale and it's up a pound and I'm like, what the fuck? And I look back in the mirror – I don't see that lean physique anymore, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. And I have clients that will send me their progress pictures. And a lot of times what I'll do is if I know it's a progress picture week, because we usually do them biweekly, I will look at the pictures before I look at their update. Because if I look at the pictures and I see changes and then I go to the update and their weight didn't change, they're upset with what they see, blah, 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 I can be like, hey, I, I, this is not a biased opinion. Like I looked at your progress pictures first. I assumed you dropped weight because you look leaner in this area, this area, this area. But then I come to your update form and you're associating your results with the scale and the scale didn't drop. So you're frustrated with your progress and you don't see any change. And I, and I truly believe it's that number that creates that, that image disorder in your head. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so I think that number one, what could be happening with you, Mason, is that because if you're dropping weight during a reverse diet, you're definitely not losing muscle tissue. So you're not getting skinny fat or as you go through it, right? Because if you're taking in more calories, you're more likely to build muscle. So you're probably recomping right now, but you see the scale and associated with that. The other thing with this too, is sometimes people reverse diet and they eat more carbs. And at first when they eat more carbs or protein, this happens with protein as well. If you go through a reverse and you increase carbs and protein up, then a lot of times you're bloated, retaining more water. You have more food volume in your stomach than you're used to. And that causes this feeling that creates an association with, with body dysmorphia, but gaining weight. Like, oh shit, like I, I feel water. I feel bloated. I must be gaining weight. Yeah. No, you're not. You just have more food in your stomach literally because you're eating more calories. doesn't mean you have more fat on your body. And especially not if the scale's going down. Um, so with that being said, what's a realistic outcome for you to experience? it's completely individual. So it's hard for me to say, but I think at at the end of the day, like if you're reverse dieting properly, it isn't unrealistic to recomp by building muscle and burning fat over the course of the next three to six months. Like I can easily see you doing that. Um, And usually what that, that comes from is maintaining weight, getting leaner. And that's because you're building muscle. Totally. Um, I don't know how much more detailed I can give him on that, you know, like without being specific. Yeah. Without knowing like, okay, give me your weight, send me your progress pictures. Let me see your tracker. If you're tracking so on and so forth, what are your macros at all that kind of shit, which is coaching. Yeah. Hire us for coaching. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that, uh, what I would, what I would do is find your minimum need for fat, which is going to be probably your body weight times 0.4. Cause you're a guy. Technically, you could go as low as 0.3, but if you're trying to eat more, I would say probably anywhere between 0.3 to 0.4 times your total body weight. Hit that number of fat. Let's say f- for you, that's that's 50. 
once you hit 50 grams of fat, only increase calories via carbohydrates um, and do it slowly so that you know you're just any weight you're adding, it would be would be muscle. Um, and just watch your progress. Make sure you like measurements, you're looking in the mirror, you're not gaining any body fat and just keep riding that until you get to a point where you're truly at maintenance. Maybe you do start gaining a little bit of weight too fast then bring the carbs back down. So you find that that maintenance and then just track your, your training diligently, like make sure you're progressively overloading every single weekend. If you're progressively overloading in the gym and you're not in a deficit, there is no other thing that your body could be doing besides building muscle and ride that wave. Yeah. You know? And at that point you're just building, you're recomping. I mean, that's really what it is. Totally. Cool. All right. We got one more question. It comes from Megan Frank. It's another creatine question. Is creatine the best supplement? Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's not the question. It's the best one ever. Creatine question. I'm currently in a surplus and lifting four times a week, taking the other three as recovery rest days. Since I'm a nurse, my knee is pretty high, and I always get plenty of steps so I don't go on any extra walks or anything. When do you recommend taking creatine on day... On days off, morning, night, doesn't matter. Sounds like a question Josephine would ask. Doesn't matter. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's exactly what she does. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter. Um, I think that, you know, some research has shown that post-workout alongside carbohydrate and or protein consumption might be mo- most beneficial. There is an interaction with creatine and carbohydrates from what I understand that if you take your creatine with carbohydrates specifically in the post-workout window, you are more likely to utilize that creatine effectively. However, a lot of research also shows that you could take it in the morning, the midday, pre-workout, post-workout, not even close to your workout. And as long as creatine is in your system, you're going to be getting the benefits because the way creatine works is for about one to two weeks, your body is storing creatine and it's, it's becoming quote unquote saturated with creatine levels. You're getting your creatine saturation levels up. Once they're up, you're going to just keep reaping the benefits as long as they stay up. And the way you keep them up is if you consume five, three to five grams of creatine every single day. Some people will do a loading phase where you take two to three times as much creatine as you normally would. So say 10, 20 grams a day for wow. one or two weeks to, to get a quicker saturation. And then you have a three to five gram maintenance period. But basically all that does from what research has shown is you can get saturated quicker. Mm-hmm. But if you just wait a couple extra weeks, you're still going to reach that point. So it might be just wasting money and blowing through creatine faster to do that. Right. Oh. And you don't have to cycle on and off. So just start taking creatine every day and just keep taking it um, at any time of day. My thing is this is I take it post-workout because I have a routine where like I train, I come in the office, I have my Legion recharge sitting on my desk waiting for me, put it in a water bottle, I drink it on the way home. It's like, that's just my routine, right? And then I eat my post-workout meal when I get home. I always tell people the best time of day is actually the time that you will remember most. So before we had this place, I always took it first thing in the morning with my green drink because I never would remember after my workout yep. because I was working out in the garage and like I usually come in and then I would shower and it was, I just totally forget. So I would be like, all right, I'm going to put it next to my green supplement. I never forget to take my green supplement in the morning. I'll put it in with that. Um, now I have a different routine. So, so first and foremost, do it when you'll remember most. On the days you train, if that is post-workout, that's probably best. But if not, it's not that big of a deal. Totally. All right, cool. Um, that is it for today. Um, any announcements or remembered banner? No, I, I completely spaced the cool. whole time. Uh, I think it was a pretty damn productive podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. I will say that, uh, especially after our meeting today, yeah. I mean, Brittany, I'm pretty amped up. There will be some announcements probably to yep. make in the future. There's a lot of cool shit going on. Um, and I think one of the things I'm most excited about this year that I just want to share with the listeners and the people who follow and clients listening and all that is that we're delegating and organizing my schedule more and more to where I can just really – like I feel like last year I realized I had to become kind of like a CEO and it was like, okay, I'm going to start – trying to figure out what that role is. And this year it's like, okay, I'm in that role. I'm going to step into it. And what that means is creating more time to talk to more people, be involved with the members more, uh, interact with people on Instagram and podcasts who don't even pay us. Like it's basically giving me more time to give back to the people that fuel this company to grow. And I couldn't be more excited about that because one of the things I love most is responding to emails, is responding to DMS, interacting with people, doing lives, doing Q and A's on my story. Um, 
So I'm pretty damn pumped that we're able to work as a team to allow me to do more of that shit, which I think is important for the people listening and following and all that stuff, you know, especially because sure. we encourage them to reach out so often. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited to be stepping more into that role and, and what that ultimately means. There's going to be some really cool, big things coming in the future. Um, and yeah, so stay tuned, stay on the lookout. Yeah, take, take advantage of that. Uh, fill out the, uh, question forms on the, in the link below or, yep. uh, on Cody's Instagram and, uh, we'll get it answered. It's hard to say where the link is now because yeah. we, we put so many places, yeah. <laughs> um, podcasts in the description, YouTube, it's below in, in, in the description. description show notes anything like that but we have that question form so if you have a question fill that out let me know otherwise stay tuned watch my story on instagram because um, i do put story box or question box on there quite often and we use those for the podcast as well and I'll also be updating a lot more like recipes and diet stuff because people seem to like that the other day so stay in the loop cool